welcome to episode 201 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. Uh, kind of back to normal here after we had that special 200th, I guess, anniversary. It's not an anniversary, but like that 200th reunion show uh, with everybody here. Uh, back to kind of normal talking about current event brewers here this week. Uh, episode 201 ryan is back on uh vacation i think is he chasing fish across the country again of course he's chasing fish across the country what what else would you expect uh yeah ryan is also going to ball games so i know he he checked the philadelphia uh, the philadelphia state i don't actually don't know what philly's park is called right now i have forgotten so is it still citizens bank maybe um i I hope so yeah whatever anyway (laughs) I, i know he added that to his his very long list of ballparks he's been to so that too but you nice. Know, if fish, yeah, if fish so, brings you joy, more power to you. Yeah, I I can't get into the jam bands, but you know, uh, Ryan's all about it. So. I feel the same way about them that I do about the Grateful Dead, which is that I like the songs that have good recordings and have videos on MTV, and I don't really care for the things people go to concerts for. So I'm probably kind of the anti-fish fan, like, um, <laughs> like 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 Touch of Grey, like bouncing around the room. That that's a fine one. Uh, like heavy sure. things, but I'm sure fish fans are all like, that's all bad, but you know, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's just us this week. Uh, I'm James, by the way. That's oh, yeah. Paul, hey. In case you couldn't tell. How's it going? Uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, we're kind of doing this early. We're doing this right after the uh, Brewers just complete annihilation of what's left of the Chicago Cubs, I guess. <laughs> it's more like the Iowa Cubs lineup. The Cubs are just uh, computer-generated players at this point. Um, yeah, I, Frank Frank Schwindel. Schwindel. <laughs> that's not a real that's, guy. No, that's like the kind of name you get in the, the baseball <laughs> video game three years into your dynasty and the computer's auto-generating names. We've, we've been yeah, speculating that Patrick Wisdom is computer-generated for quite a while, so I think this just confirms it that... The, exactly. the, the, the computer's out of RAM, and this is what we're getting now. Yeah, so uh, we're doing this, uh, we're recording this on a Friday afternoon. So before the Brewers face off against the, the Pirates again, for what feels like the fifth time in a couple of weeks. But <laughs> uh, we will take that, and, and hopefully more of the same over the weekend. But uh, yeah, we'll cover the, that Cubs series and, and guys on the COVID list and a lot of things that we're catching up on after, you know, uh, kind of not skipping a couple of weeks, but kind of taking a little break here uh, from the current events. So yeah. lots to catch up on. But uh, first, before we get started, uh, just a reminder, as always, you can help support us and the podcast network. Become a patron. That's at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Two bucks a month gets you that question priority here on the podcast. And we have plenty of questions to get to this week. So thank you guys for that. Yes, indeed. Five bucks a month too gets you the minor league extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson. Packer season also starting up, you get Paul's mini pods for reporting as eligible as well. Uh, you guys kind of had that pre preseason episode drop in the last week too. We so. did. Um, just the overall general tenor of how the Packers will probably be and a lot on Aaron Rodgers versus Jordan Love and how things will look once Aaron is gone because that's coming soon. So, um, yep. And uh, a good one to listen to, too, because I think there's starting to be a real dichotomy of good and bad coaches in the NFL, and they make way more difference than they used to. Um, I'm old enough to remember the 80s where it was run twice and pass once and punt, and that's how football was. And it's just changed so drastically, and there's so much more diversity in offenses and front offices and who uses analytics and who doesn't and how they use it that the Packers actually have a huge schematic advantage over most of the rest of the league that will help that transition so worth checking out for that 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure, uh, I guess by the time you guys listen to this baseball podcast, the Packers' first preseason game will have been played. Against, so. Uh, so we're going to make fun of the Cubs a lot here in a second, and I may accidentally call them like the worst franchise in sports. But the actual worst franchise in sports is the Houston Texans, and I don't want to step on them since that's who the Packers actually play. Um, if you if you are a football person along the lines of what I am, and I highly recommend you pick up the Football Outsiders Almanac for this year. And if you don't read beyond the North normally, you should read the Houston Texans section just for the pure soap opera offseason that it was. I I had forgotten half of the stuff that actually happened. The coup that their, um, their interim GM actually sieged on the team to take it over um, via a prayer session, spontaneously showing up at people's doors. Um, it, it, that team is, that team is amazingly awful. So, um, the Cubs might be books written about, about this saga. There really will be. Yeah. This is, um, this is going to be, um, something for movies in the future. Um, our, (laughs) unfortunately R rated movies, but movies nonetheless. (laughs) Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on in Houston and not for the good reasons, but, uh, I guess, yeah. Speaking of the terrible franchises, as you said, Paul, like the, the Chicago Cubs, uh, kind of far <laughs> removed from that World Series title five years ago now. I think uh, the past four games in Chicago, probably the biggest indicator of that, right? And of course, like the Brewers kind of started this descent they <laughs> at did. Least this season for this, right? Like yeah. it was, the, it, it kind of started with that uh, rally from seven to nothing down in that first inning back about a month ago, right? Yeah. Against Jake Arrieta. And I was shocked to see that he still had a rotation spot after that. <laughs> uh, but I guess the Brewers took care of that. They, they crushed him again. And then he finally got released yep. after and, 20 horrible starts. And but, a bad guy. Yeah. Good, good that he's gone. But, um, Again, one of the reasons the Cubs are bad is this was all preventable. They knew that that pitching was their weakness. They could have absolutely gone out and gotten pitching slash not lost pitching, and they chose not to do it. And that's why they had Jake Arrieta pitching most of the season, even though he's completely washed up. And yeah, um, an anti-vaxxer, and it's good that his career was just ended because he's a bad guy. Their B-Ref page is absolutely hilarious, by the way, because you know B-Ref starts by listing your starters. And yeah. the Cubs starters are Wilson Contreras, who's still there, but on the IL. Anthony Rizzo, gone. Sogard, DFA'd, gone. Javi Baez, gone. Jock Peterson, gone. Um, Ian Happ is still there, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yep, he's still there. Um, so they still got him. And I assume Jason Hayward is uh, still there and on the IL because no one would possibly take correct. on that contract. Um, so yep. that's it. Like, almost everybody on the... Oh, uh, Patrick Wisdom, too. He's actually good. But uh, that, yeah. that's it. Like almost everybody on their BRF page starting lineup is is gone. So um, yeah, just just awful. Just you know things up. are bad when Brian Anderson, the professional of all professionals, is asking Chris Singleton, "How, how do you say this guy's name?" <laughs> or Joshuani Vargas or Fargus or whatever his name was in the middle of the game. Yeah. Like that. That's just how anonymous they are right now. It, it's kind of. I mean. If we weren't Brewers fans, it'd be kind of sad to see. Right? Yeah, and but the, now the Cubs it's kind of funny. Yeah. There's no excuse for the Cubs to ever be this bad. Like you, right? Even when the like the Yankees went through a bit of a rebuild, but they didn't do the whole Houston, you know, tank for four years and spend zero money and have your TV ratings fall to literally like 800 people at one point. Like, and and you know they might turn it around quicker than we think. They they have money and resources, but like that's what this style teardown really looks like. Like. Um, it's not like the Brewers are good this year, but this is not a barn burner division. You could no. compete in this division with the base that you had for not that much money. So 
it, it's really this was intentional by them, and they deserve to have the ever loving stuffing kicked out of them. I saw a few people say on Twitter that they were starting to feel sorry for the Cubs. Don't feel sorry for the Cubs. Uh, everybody who is playing for the Cubs is is getting their chance right now. So you can feel happy for all those players getting to put Major League tape out there, which they weren't getting to before. Um, you can <laughs> feel happy that the Rickets are losing um, and not running a successful team, that people aren't coming to their hotels and, and restaurants that they've put up. So there's all kinds of reasons to be happy about beating the crap out of the Cubs. 37 to 9 was the total <laughs> run scores for the four games. And that's, uh, as I said, like before we started recording this, that includes lopping a few innings off because yep. they did play two seven-inning games in the middle of that series. So that that could have been a lot worse. It absolutely could have uh, been a lot worse. They, they lost four innings of run scoring. Really fun one, too, just because they weren't really ever in danger. Not, not too much. No. Like, they no. really just blew the doors off of them early on innings-wise. And, you know, just a good time all around. They, like, Corbin Burns flirted with records, a set A record for consecutive strikeouts. Yeah, um, that was incredible. Yeah, the only thing that's really bad about this series is that the Brewers didn't break the no-hitter streak because this was it's a good chance <laughs> to do it. a prime chance to do it, yeah. right, exactly. If not that, it would have been the, the strikeouts record, which uh, that start, you know, we were kind of looking at the weather, too. Is like Corbin, especially after that 10-strikeout streak, he's kind of on pace to – at least have a chance at 20 strikeouts, right? Yep. And and didn't quite. But get the there. only thing we were working to get, yeah, he didn't quite get there, and we were kind of just nervous about the weather, the entire time because that was one of the games where it was like, we'll start, but it's in the middle of that <laughs> severe weather. Is there a the window? Yeah, and you all, exactly. you all know how bad that was. I mean, we did recording is eligible with a tree in Jr's front yard, so that yep. hit, that hit down here too. It was a rough one. Yeah, I've been off work all week, by the way, and figuring, oh, it'd be a great, you know, summer week. And no, it's just been, if it hasn't been pouring and tornado outbreaks in Wisconsin, it's been hot and muggy as hell. <laughs> so uh, kind of a sucky weather week, but the Brewers at least got that four, four in there. Um, I guess we do have some Corbin Burns questions from Patreon, but first, just how, I guess, Paul, your impressions, how awesome was that start for lack of a better word right like i can't sufficiently i think find a, a better word than so, that it was, it was just he's looked great at times this year it was definitely but. corbin level impressive and it was it was phenomenal for a lot of reasons it it, it was like i if i'm a uh if i repeat myself on this podcast it is often that against the crap competition the impressive stuff isn't quite as impressive but still pretty impressive like it's mowing down triple a guys at this level would be as impressive not as but still really really hard to do like you know uh, these are all professional baseball players they make contact with the ball most you know more often than not and actually k this many is just incredible he had his stuff working great i think all of them or maybe all of them but one was uh was swinging as well um, he had a ridiculously high swinging strike rate that, yeah. that game. Yeah, it was insane. Which is also kind of just fun to see. Like, it's not like guys are getting, they're trying, they're trying their best. They're taking their hacks. Yeah. Um, but he get, when he gets like this, uh, when he really gets locked in like this, it's just really fun to watch um, his breaking stuff. Um, just is so deceiving when that fastball is working. And um, uh, everybody was so fooled. Um, it, that I think that's the most fun thing about him is, when anybody swings at a breaking pitch, it's not even close. It's just um, completely, no. completely fooled. So there's he, just so much movement. Yeah, it, I forgot what the exact number was, but I think it was during. 
the game even they they had dug up i guess uh whiffs they've only been tracking since like 99 or something right that right yeah, yeah. but uh and i think it was randy johnson that has the most either him or pedro it was like 28 whiffs in a game or something like that and, and corbin had like 23 so he was again flirting with history in that regard too which is just as dominant as dominant can be yep. um really did kind of look like that carry wood 20 strikeout game right where just everything was breaking so much it was it was insane but um you know obviously he, he kind of labored in that eighth inning there uh still ended up with less than 100 pitches so like 15 strikeout zero walks and less than 100 pitches is just a phenomenal outing but uh, kind of labored there in, in the eighth inning kind of cost him a chance at at least uh ben sheets franchise record right so yep. Our, our first Patreon question comes from Jay Google because, of course, of course it does. Yeah, uh, and it's on this topic. So, you know, this this was kind of a, a topic of uh, debate in the Brewers Twitter that night. Uh, should Jay's question is super simple. Should Burns have stayed in the game to go after 18 strikeouts? Did you want to see him go back out there for the ninth inning, Paul? Or uh, was it the right call to kind of pull him at that point? So it was the right call. And I always want to see him do stuff like that, absolutely. But I have levels of like, is this worth it? And um, in a in a season like this, uh, the 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 bar's pretty high. Like, if it's if it's a perfect game, I think you let him go because the Brewers have never had one, and they're actually still quite rare, even though no hitters have picked up a lot. If it's a no hitter, I think you let him go out there and see if he can get through it quickly. And if he gives up a hit or a walk, you, you go nab him. But like, eighteen strikeouts is not a thing like <laughs> you know if, if he's if he's going to contend for the record in strikeouts in a game yeah i probably I'm, I'm okay with, i'm okay with that but this is just a big number and uh yeah big numbers are fun but they're not a reason to push a guy past where his natural limits should be so i think it's smart to pull him there i, I don't think they did anything wrong by doing so and you know you, you gotta your goal is to win a title here and it's a very small chance he'll get hurt or something if he goes at one extra inning at this point in time but um that even small chance is not worth you seeing the strikeout total go up by three it, who cares <laughs> right well, yeah right and, and you know like i'd mentioned that that eighth inning did get semi-difficult for him at least compared to what we had seen prior to that in the game right like he had allowed a couple of bloop singles or or whatever he had he was dealing with base runners, but still at that point, it was what an eight, nothing game or yes. something like that. Uh, it, it's a mid August game against a team that'll be flirting for last place in the division. It, it, like you said, it, it's not totally worth it to, to roll the dice on that. Right? right. I think maybe there was a better chance if that eighth inning had gone a little smoother, right? I or think if he that's had a good picked point. Picked up a yeah. strikeout or two, too, right? But it was it was three outs that weren't well. The last out was a strikeout, finally. But like, yeah. it, you know, once he fell off that twenty strikeout pace and he started to labor a little bit, it he looked like physically tired too. You know, he was wiping his brow by the end of that. I think he was trying to start. He's starting to try to strike everybody out, too, yeah. which is probably part of the problem. I think but, I think that's a good call. And, yeah, the proof's kind of into pudding there. If he was in good enough shape to continue on, he would have kept plowing through people in, in that inning. And, you know, that's what fatigue does. It robs you of some effectiveness. It, it is an indicator that it's time to come out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, there were a couple other factors there, too. Mm -hmm. he, 
because of the weather situation, he'd been kind of bumped up a day on this start, right? Like he, he's gotten used to, or at least the Brewers have pretty consistently given him five or six days off in between every start. And this was like the more traditional fifth day in the rotation, you know, it was four days rest kind of thing. So yeah. he's kind of, you know, not, we're not going to say he was sh- pitching on short rest. Cause it was just kind of like traditionally a rotation spot, but it was short rest basically for what the Brewers have been doing. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, he's right around that hundred pitch mark, which has also kind of been the line for the Brewers. And we're in a situation where, Again, if their division odds are pretty well locked up at this point, you're looking ahead a little bit more than you normally would be for October, right? And yeah. If the Brewers are going to contend, it's going to be having Corbin Burns being able to do this in October and not the middle of August. Right. I mean, so, in the playoffs, he is one of, if not the single most important Brewer player because right. they will be they will be playing to maximize starts by him and Peralta and Woodruff and. I think him in particular, like that's what the focus of the postseason will be, will be maximizing burn starts above everything else. Right. Exactly. If it's, you know, you think of it this way, if Woodruff gets game one, Corbin's the swing game of game two, right? And especially in the first round of the playoffs, it it could be the difference between being up 0-2, down 0-2, or split. So. Um, that that's a really good point too. And, and he's already missed time earlier this year, you know, granted that was COVID and we can talk more about that in a <laughs> bit, but, uh, so, you know, it, it, and we've all had this understanding this year too, that the brewers are going to limit pitchers. So yeah, this was super fun, but in the grand scope of things, uh, a, a high strikeout performance. And like you said, if you're not going to break a record, even a team record, like, eh. I think it was right to to pull him after eight there. Uh, so we yeah. got another Patreon question then, too, about this uh, Cubs sweep before we kind of move on. Philip Schumacher uh, asking, was this Cubs series sweep more enjoyable, less enjoyable, or equally enjoyable to the previous Cubs sweep in late June? <laughs> so I like this question because kind of, as we mentioned, that that first sweep really kind of kicked the Cubs down into cell mode, right? And, yeah. and officially ended that dynasty and this was just a complete and utter trouncing yeah, so i guess was, which do you prefer this was stomping out the cigarettes on the ground uh, um <laughs> after after casting it down so i think the first one is probably more enjoyable because it did put them to bed um mm-hmm. and, and well it's fun to you know kick the dead horse a few times that's kind of what this was i mean it's it's fun to beat the cubs losing would have been losing i think even a game would have been a little bit sad given what they were trotting out there but beating yeah. them is also like, oh, you did what you were supposed to do, and you kept the Reds from catching up, which is important. But yeah. you know, you're just at this point with the Cubs, you're just beating what you should. You're doing exactly what you should. And the the other one was more consequential, so I give that one more enjoyability. Like it was still a, kind of a race at that point, and the Brewers just ended it. So that's better. This is still fun. This is good. It's a different kind <laughs> of fun. Right. It, it's fun in in a different way. Right. Yeah. Um. I I think I'm with you. That first one, just because of the added meaning behind it. Right. Uh, that's, that's a big factor. And also that, that first series, just the fact that they had that huge comeback after, you know, falling down seven to nothing in the first inning and then almost immediately, uh, just crushing the will (laughs) by, by that comeback. And really like, if you wanted to pinpoint an exact game that kind of kickstarted the Cubs demise, I think (laughs) that would be it. And, you know, this series, 
we were talking like it, it was just kind of complete and utter domination from start to finish which is fun in a different way but it, it's not <laughs> going to be as memorable as that as that big first thing comeback yeah. right and i i think having that as the added factor i think makes that first one a little bit sweeter yep uh yeah uh Another Cubs question, Adam Post, is there anything sweeter in the world than thoroughly beating up on the Cubs? Nope. No, there's not. No. That's as no. good as it gets. <laughs> right. I, I feel like in terms of other division rivals or whatever, you know, like I feel like the Brewers have barely played the Cardinals this year. And I, I think agree. That's true because like I feel like it's if I remember correctly, it's like this back half of August and all of September, I think is almost entirely Cardinal series. They have a ton of Cardinals games. Um Let's see. One, what do we got? One, two, three, four, five, six. At least nine. Twelve. It's still twelve games against the Cardinals Jeez. left, and not that it's many like, games. Yeah, but it's still like more than half of their season total against them coming up in the last month here. Yep. At, as opposed to like we're done with the Pirates after this upcoming weekend, as we record this. Yep, so, that is all. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I I feel like you know beating the Cardinals is fun, but. When they're like this actively mediocre, I don't think it, it's as consequential. And yeah. there's just something really nice about just beating the tar out of the Cubs, even if they are worse and it's not peak Cubs. Yep. It, it's just something. And the it's... fact that, yeah, this, this season too has been a, an incredible run because how many in a row have they won against the Cubs? Now, I even lost track, but I believe they uh, – did they tie the all-time series with the win yesterday, or did they take the lead? I, I forget which one it was. they took the lead with the win yesterday. I'm pretty sure they did. I think they have a one-game lead in the series now. Which is, like, incredible when you consider, <laughs> like, just how far down in the hole the Brewers yeah. were when they moved to the National League, and the Cubs have been the better team for a substantial part of the past 20 years. And the fact that the Brewers now are actually, you know... At, at least about to, to kind of take the lead in that season yep. series is, is incredible. Yeah, the, the Brewers went thirteen and or are thirteen and three against the Cubs so far this year. They're twelve and four against the Pirates, so they have beaten yeah. the Cubs more than they've beaten the Pirates so far. Yeah, it, so you know, I, as much crap as the Giants maybe get for just beating up on Arizona, I think the Brewers oh absolutely. likewise benefiting from the Reds. Hundred percent. By the way, the Brewers are done with the Reds on August twenty sixth. That's it wow. for them. So there's not going to be any down the stretch opportunity for Cincinnati here. <clears throat> They'll have to do it against different teams. So that's, that's huge too. Yep. Yeah, that's that's the thing. They don't have that head to head. I think when the schedule makers were putting things together, they probably anticipated more uh, Brewers Cardinals games being influential, right? But yep. <laughs> that September schedule, and that's just not going to be the case this year. All right. Uh, this is fun. Might have been more fun if Brian were here for this because it's tangentially <laughs> soccer related. But Brian Polakowski is asking if the Cubs were to be relegated, which city would you promote? <laughs> um, so I, I have a. Uh, I think I would actually promote the Iowa Cubs. And the reason for that is because then the people of Iowa would be unblacked out on. <laughs> All of the other games that they're blacked this out on, true. just just for people who don't know this, um, Iowa, it, um, Iowa, when you feel that you're blacked out of a third of the league's games for the year, it is the worst place in the country to be a baseball fan. <laughs> yes, and it's because there's no local team, like like seven different teams claim local in Iowa, which is ridiculous. 
Um, so I would actually make a team there just to spare the poor people of Iowa and allow them to watch all the games that they want to because only one team would then have the rights. So I would do a public service and promote the Iowa Cubs to replace the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> That'd be fun, though, if they, you know, we always fantasize what would happen if baseball had like the relegation system. What if you could just swap places with your AAA team? I think that'd be interesting. It but... would. <laughs> I was a good answer there. I was going to think like eh, maybe Nashville because I always feel like that's a really cool town. And I think the sounds do pretty good business, uh, you know, so yep. that'd be fun. Uh, what are the other ones? I mean, I'm sure every every sports league wants a Vegas team these days. So maybe throw in the, the Vegas, uh, what are they, the 51 still? Or did they change their name to something? I think uh, I forget. They, cha- all the, they all change their names so often. They think they're still yeah. the 51s. Um, I mean, if you wait long enough, all of the ballparks will just be Vegas. I mean, Wrigley got an exception yeah. to put a casino or a, a sports book into Wrigley the other day. So That's true. It's coming. That's true. Just wait until you can actively bet on ballet sports while watching the Brewers yep. game. So, yep. <laughs> but, I, I, man, that relegation question is fun because, uh, yeah, that, man, they look like a AAA team at least. So <laughs> they they're halfway it. there. Yep. Yeah, I guess speaking uh, on the topic of Iowa, and we had that uh, Field of Dreams game the other night here, and Darren Jones has a Patreon question. It says, if the Brewers were to ever appear in an MLB novelty game, what's the location or setting you'd want to see? Uh, a little bit of a tricky one because a lot of baseball movies take place in actual Major League stadiums, and that's that's true. That's not fun. Yeah. Like, You can't do angels in the outfield. That's stupid. Um, <laughs> and, and but by the way, it was a good game. Uh, part of what made it a good game was the setting was fine. But if it would have been like a, a pitcher's duel, I feel like it would have been kind of boring. Um, the fact that they were actually hitting it out into the corn repeatedly and got a nice walk off um, home run was extra cool. So it, it it they pulled it off very nicely, and they really lucked into getting a game worthy of the setting. Um, sure. The only one I can think of that I might want to actually do is um, in Brewster's Millions. Um, Richard Pryor and John Candy play for the Hackensack Bulls, managed by Jerry Orbach, and it's got a train running through it in Hackensack, New Jersey. Uh, that ballpark seems fun, and in in the movie, they actually he actually pays the Yankees to play a three inning scrimmage against the Bulls. So um, even even some precedent there. So I would actually pick that. I don't know if that stadium still exists or if it ever did, but <laughs> it seems fun. So I would I would do one there. The Sandlot would be fun too, but I think that was just a set. So um, you know. Okay. Yeah. All good picks. Yeah, it, it is tricky because, like you said, the, the baseball movies, I'm thinking like Major League, that was clearly, you know, like County Stadium. And yeah, all we, that stuff. We, so, we've seen that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, yeah, it, it's it's tough. I think like Field of Dreams is a cool idea. Um, I didn't see the game, but I know there was like still plenty of consternation about it. Um, also, the debate on whether or not Field of Dreams is a good movie. Where, where do you fall on that? <laughs> The Field of Dreams is terrible, and I, I'm very loud about this, but it's very bad. Uh, like I was, uh, we talked a lot about this. I think I, I think with Matt and Jer before we started recording the podcast the other day. Maybe it was on Twitter even. Like I hate a lot of things about Field of Dreams, but the thing I, I think <laughs> I, I think I hate the most is you get to the end of it, and you know the farm's going bankrupt, and it's been now publicly revealed by virtue of Moonlight Graham turning into an old man and doing the Heimlich maneuver that there are ghosts on the field playing baseball and and James Earl Jones tells Kevin Costner people will give you $20 like people will give you way more than $20 you have discovered the afterlife um you have 
<laughs> you have actual, and, and you know, then it shows the cars lining up at the park on the like on the pan out. Like you, you could charge, like you'll have scientists bidding for it. You'll have the governments like offering to take your land off for whatever you want to pay. You, <laughs> you could you could charge like a thousand. Like the the game tickets last night were like twelve hundred dollars starting. I was gonna say they did charge twelve hundred dollars, like they did. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, the, some the secret of I yeah, I apologize so for not go. having this Twitter person's account handy because I I'm I'm not a normal follower of theirs, but somebody calculated how much money Kevin Costner lost by plowing under his cornfield to build the baseball stadium, almost putting his business, <laughs> um, almost putting himself out of business. And, and it was $1,200 or the cost of one oh ticket God. from last night's game. So um, <laughs> also highly implausible, but, but yeah, you have, you have ghosts, you have ghosts. That you can like film and talk to you. like, uh, and, and they, they let Terrence Mann walk into the afterlife. Like you can charge, <laughs> you, you can charge more than $20 a ticket for this. So um, and that bothers me a lot, but there's other things that bother me a lot too. It's a it's a bad movie. It's a bad script. It's a bad movie. Shoeless Joe Jackson hits from the wrong side of the plate. It's it's garbage. Plus, they say have a catch instead of play catch. Yeah. So that's a stupid phrase, but that's not the movie's fault. That's the East Coast's fault. Um, <laughs> so let's let's put blame where it where it d- deserves to be. There is only one activity you have, and it's not catch. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 that's just always bugged me from a, I guess, a grammatical sense. It just doesn't make sense to have a catch. Yeah. But you're right. That is definitely an East Coast thing. And I actually never heard that before until I went out to college on the East Coast. I was like, what is wrong with you people? But anyway, <laughs> they have a lot of weird phrases. All right. Um, so we do have some other Patreon questions to get to. But first, uh, some other news and notes. The Brewers have, you know, had a ton of people end up on the the COVID IL, they had their pretty significant outbreak, I would call it, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I forgot what the total number was, but was it more than 10 players at one point? It, you lost count, which is a bad thing. It is a bad thing, but it was a lot. COVID. I mean, yeah, Yelich and Cousins and Hader and Lauer and uh, Strickland. Strickland. And, yeah, it, it it was a lot. And, and Keston, uh, yep, Keston yep. Kira, even though he wasn't with the adding, active roster Adding insult anymore. to injury, yeah. Yeah, so I... The Brewers kind of had to go through this stretch then shorthanded, or at least with, um, you know, less than optimal options, especially in the bullpen where they seem to be hit the hardest. But uh, they did pretty well. I think it was, what, like six and three or something without Hater, um, which is fine. You, you kind of had to. I think you take that. I mean, they had, to, yeah. they had to throw out some pretty rough pitchers during that stretch and managed to still win far more than they lost. So I, I don't think you can ask more right. than that. Right. I mean, and like realistically, too, like this series happened in our in-between time, so we didn't really get to talk about it. But that giant series, uh, I think, is probably where they felt the most, right? Yeah. Like, that's when you had Sal Romano give up like four Sal runs. Sal Romano, man. That was not, I mean, not, not his fault. They just ran out of people, and he had to go out there and take it. And, you yeah. know, he's not ready uh, for that yet, if he ever will be. But No. Uh, uh, but, you know, that was also a series, though, where they had a legitimate chance to win all three games. It felt very playoff-y, right? Yeah. Like, uh, back and forth, kind of crazy action. I, I do think the Brewers and the Giants will meet up at some point in October, and that'll be a fun series. It will. But um, that's that's where, you know, they ran into that bullpen difficulties, especially playing all, what was it, two out of three games for extra innings. Yep, so, two, two out of three that's... extra innings, all Abby Garcia's fault. But, you know, <laughs> it, is. it happens. Yeah. Um, oh, man. But 
so they weathered it well, and now this is actually it's not good. It's bad that you lost people for a while, but you get a bunch of fresh arms back now. So at least there's that going forward. They didn't lose any ground; they gained ground, and mm-hmm. you know they can now lean on a couple of guys a little bit more. Um, they can lean on Cousins and Hader, I think, quite a bit more. Um, so that's good. I do want to point out too, um, the Brewers are actually uh, almost entirely vaccinated. Um, I don't want to call people. I, I do not believe Josh Hader is. I could be wrong about that, but I. I'm I'm guessing they have not said uh, they don't publicly. they don't say anything. I'm guessing I could be wrong, but I I have a hunch based on an Instagram post that he is not. Um, yeah, there was that. <laughs> yeah, but um, this is this is a Delta phenomenon where even uh, and by most of them have the J and J vaccine, which it, it works well to stop you from dying, but does allow these breakthroughs more frequently than not. And um, a lot of the guys, a lot of these guys are vaccinated, and I have seen people kind of ripping them for for not being vaccinated when that's not the case. So I just wanted to point that out. For the most part, they are, and they've just had a few breakthrough cases. And you still have to go through the quarantine process, even if you do, even if you're vaccinated, if you show symptoms. And you know that's just the world we live in. So you know, leave them alone if you don't know. <laughs> that's the thing too. Like it, they had to be showing symptoms yep. based on the MLB rules to get tested. Once they were vaccinated, they have to have symptoms. So they were uh, obviously much more milder with the vaccine too, which is the benefit of the vaccine. Yes. Uh, no Freddie Freeman cases where they literally thought they might die in yep. the middle of the night, like Freddie did. Um, so uh, that's the good thing too. And in, you know, knock on wood, it seems like we've gotten maybe to the other side, at least of this brewers outbreak where, uh, things have seemed to settle down. They haven't had a positive case in a few days here. Uh, all good news. So uh, they did weather that storm pretty well. Um, and, you know, fingers crossed that this means, you know, down the stretch <laughs> too, that, that nothing else. Um, I guess also contributing to uh, maybe some of the moves that they made at the deadline, right? Because they went out and they traded for John Curtis and Daniel Norris. Yeah. Um, you know, like ideally to to kind of bolster the bullpen but also like at the time they just needed arms so um unfortunately those those moves have not seemed to work out in the brewers favor at least in the first couple of weeks here you know we we have talked about john curtis and the and the scott linebrink phenomenon where he was kind of struggling early uh, i think some uh, sharper eyes noticed that his velocity was down almost yep. immediately with the brewers and uh, you know, could have been just a weird midseason blip, or it could have been a sign of things to come because he blew out his UCL in the last week. So he's obviously done for at least a year. Yes, uh, I don't think they've said if he's doing Tommy John or just trying to rehab. But regardless, he'll he'll be out of the picture for the rest of this season at the very least. And then Daniel Norris has just kind of stunk. Yeah, he's been um, real bad. Uh, yeah, so I I guess any theories on that is. I've seen some people speculate that he was a sticky stuff guy, and that was part of the reason why his move to the bullpen was working so well, uh, not so much anymore. Or I have is this just small sample. I don't know. What's your theory? So it, it, it it's got to be small sample until we get a larger one. But man, is he getting rocked? Um, it's not. <laughs> it's not like. Uh, so I do have a theory on this, and people aren't going to like it. But my theory is that he's not a good baseball player. Um, <laughs> so I know sure. that I know that he moved to the bullpen, like kind of rejuvenated his career a little bit, but that's a small sample size. And over the course of Norris's career, he's not good. Um, no. he, he's been bad for like five years. Uh, and by bad, I mean, he's had like a, a, 
uh, w- with some exceptions, an ERA over five a lot of the time. Uh, so, you know, wasn't there a game the Brewers played against the Tigers recently? Was it last year where they won like eighteen to nothing? And wasn't he the starter? I for believe that he was. I, I was yeah. actually trying to quickly <laughs> check it, and I can't find it. Uh, like that's my exposure to Daniel Norris. So, the last couple of years. I mean, like, here yeah, he's been bad. My assumption is that somebody in the front office saw something in Norris. They thought they could exploit or fix or would work better in a certain way, but the Brewers do that a lot. I mean, that's how you. That's how you be the next Pomerantz. How you get your Pomerantz is you 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 see an unconventional use for a guy that's not being used properly. The thing is, that's projection, and it's not going to work every time. Like sometimes you tell a guy to change what he's doing or change his role, and it screws up the guy. So, um, you know, it's it's very small sample. He might get better. But it's not like he's very good pitcher to start with here. So yeah. if he ends up not working out, that might just be how things go. And, you know, that's a bummer. But not every trade that you do works out. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, too, John Axford. Uh, <laughs> well, so we, we didn't get like, to talk about John Axford. Let's, no, really, we really, didn't. Really quick. What, what's the deal with that happening in the first place? It, it, so my imagination is that's the COVID thing. They need arms. And I think that was a straight. It's, it's literally like need an arm. John, can you give us like better. two innings if we call upon you to do so? And he, and John Axford, I think, was like, oh, maybe, <laughs> and and gave it a shot, and his arm did, fell apart immediately. Like I think it was literally we know who you are, and we need a guy right now. Like, he was he was fine in AAA for the Jays, but obviously, like they never gave him a shot. So the reason the Brewers were able to get him post deadline was because he was. Was it off the forty man and hadn't pitched in the majors or some? The rule was weird. I forget like the rule, but it is an off the forty man situation. Yeah. Yeah. So that might have just been, a, like we said, a situation where the Brewers are frantically looking for an arm for whatever reason. They didn't want to call up some of the other Triple A guys uh, that uh, have been pitching really well. There's apparently some conspiracy theory out there about is it Barker? I don't. I wish we had Ryan for this because he, yeah. I'm sure he'd be more in tune for that. But uh, there is a minor league pitcher who, who's been electric, but also has been very vocal about the treatment of minor league players. So there's a conspiracy theory that he's being punished in some way. Uh, so they trade for John Axford for $1 uh, and he blows out his arm in the first appearance, which is really kind of a bummer after, you know, he's his first big league appearance. in I think three years, was it 2018? I think, I think it's it 2018. Like yeah. Um, worked his way back. He was broadcasting for like the last year, decided to give it one more go. Uh, finally makes it back and his elbow just disintegrates. Yeah. 2018 uh, for the Dodgers and he was washed up then. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of sad. It was great to see him back. Yeah. But, like I don't have any ill will man. towards Axford for it at all. And I'm, if I was in a situation and had the opportunity, I would just go out there and throw it till my arm fell off too. But it yeah. is, it's sad to see him go. It's always sad to see a guy's career end. Like, I mean, yeah, he, he, and I think he knew too, right? Yeah. Like he was very clearly emotional walking yep. off the field, knowing it was probably the last time. Yep. Um, but man, yeah. So I, the Brewers have had like those bullpen issues in the last couple of weeks because of COVID, but they got some guys back, but losing Curtis kind of sucks because he had at least, uh, he'd been thrown a lot since the, since the trade, I think he had made it known to Craig Council. He said, I saw the quote was like, you don't need to ask me. I'm just ready every day. So throw me whenever. And yep. well, he did. And, and that didn't work out quite as well. I guess if there's good news, it's that Justin Topa's back. So maybe he fits into that role a little bit, but also similarly, <laughs> missed the first half of this year with elbow issues too. So 
Um, you know, we'll see how that middle relief situation settles, and I yeah, think it'll I, be. It should be stronger going forward. They, they've they got their guys back now, and I think they'll be in much better shape. Right, and I do think maybe they lean on them a little bit more in September too. Yeah, right? where save the starters. you're trying to get Woodruff and, and Burns and Freddie out there after five or six innings, right, yep. to kind of save them a little bit. Uh, so we'll see how how that plays out too. Uh, so yeah, uh, we do have some more Patreon questions to get to. Philip Schumacher had another one. Uh, he says, "Should errors be done away with completely or completely revamped? <laughs> the current system needs." seems way too subjective and varies widely from city to city. So, I mean, we had like the, the Avi Garcia situation, I think is what comes to mind for me with this, right? Because he very clearly just dropped the ball. Uh, they rule it in error. Then they turn it into a hit and then they turn it back into an error. It was just a really dumb situation. Yeah. Errors are dumb. Can we agree they're, on they're, that? We absolutely agree. Errors are dumb. They should just do away with them because um, they're an old timey, very imperfect way to try and quantify defense. And we, I mean, the criticisms of error are legion at this point. And it, it tells you, it, it almost lies to you more than any other statistic. It, like if a guy makes an obviously boneheaded play, do we need a stat for that? We can all see that it happened. Like right. it, it, there's, there's so much nuance to this. Like it goes back to Moneyball, which was wrong about defense in a lot of ways. But one of the ways it was right is a lot of times better players get to tougher balls and make errors more than the other players who don't get to tougher balls because they right. have the chance to make a play on them. And it's not even a bad thing that that happens. Sort of the Derek Jeter argument. Like, you know, if you never get to a ball um, to your left, then you can never make an error out to a ball that's hit <laughs> to your left. So, uh, yeah, they're stupid. And even like... When we track any sabermetric person out there, uses RA, uses runs against, doesn't use earned runs against because the whole earned just throws noise into it. It's not useful information. You know, you would think if it was a good stat that ERA would tell you more about the pitcher's performance than RA would, but it doesn't. It just muddies <laughs> things up. So yeah, they should get rid of it. If we need to have this, we have more sophisticated defensive statistics we can rely on at this point. And yeah, errors are stupid. Um, they they should definitely be gone. Just get rid of errors and then get run out, get rid of ERA since it's so tied to it, right? Yep. And we don't really use ERA to truly judge guys anymore, anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just get rid of them all. Screw it. All <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy Nachman is asking. Uh, Craig Council got his 500th victory since the last mm. time we recorded. Uh, very nice little milestone there, especially how bad the team was when he <laughs> first nope. took over. Right. Um, yeah, so uh, Jeremy is saying, I know when he was first hired, younger managers were in vogue. All of those guys have since lost their jobs. Seems like Council has the potential to be a lifer manager, a la Bobby Cox, uh, but Milwaukee's version, lasting for decades if he wants it. Thoughts on that? Do you think the Cubs' hiring of David Ross was in any way an attempt to emulate the Brewers' successful hire of Council? If so, you'd have to have to say it's not really working out so far. <laughs> Uh, if it was, it was a bad attempt, and I don't think it was. Um, teams have been hiring ex-players to be managers forever. It's, the Ross hire was, I think, a very old-school move. I think it, it, it goes into the assumption that catchers are smart. He was a catcher, right? I'm not... Yes. Okay. Yep. And, and catchers are smart and know what they're doing more than other players do. They're kind of the quarterbacks of the diamond. You see that a lot with Mike Matheny and other guys. 
But here's the thing. Council is very different than Ross and a lot of guys. And I think he is kind of the perfect managerial candidate in a lot of ways. So first of all, he is an ex-player and, you know, a long-lasting ex-player. And if and accomplished, you know, he's got his titles. Um, if not a particularly good player, you know, he was good enough to last a long time. He knows the grind. Um, guys are going to be able to relate to him on a player-to-player level. And he knows how to talk to people being in a clubhouse for that long. But Council was also a member of the front office. And yep. so Craig Council knows what the front office does and how player acquisition works and so can sympathize with the fact that the Brewers shuttle people in all the time and have limited budgets. And mo- probably most importantly, with their analytics department. He knows how those guys work. You know, He doesn't have to understand how, how to operate R or do studies on things. But he's worked with those guys, and so he understands how they do their jobs and what their information is and how it can maybe translate down to the field and how maybe sometimes it can't. So he gets that. And then um, he, in addition to all of those other things, um, has now manager. I mean, he got the job to be manager, but he's a good on-field guy, too. He's managed to synergize those two things into being a very deft user of his bullpen and a good player manager. And you know, the Brewers don't make too many wrong calls when they do. There's usually a pretty good reason for it. Uh, I mean, uh, we we sometimes criticize one-off calls, but, you know, there's things that happen. Guys are hurt that we don't know about. Guys are not feeling up to it today. Like, those things happen. Generally speaking, the Brewers almost always make the right strategic move. Uh, and I think that is because Council relies on the information that he's fed and can get buy-in from the guys on the field in a very turbulent situation. I mean, if you're in Milwaukee, if you're a star, you're fine, but... You get you can get turned over to AAA like in a blink of an eye if you are a fringy guy, and that's got to be really hard to deal with. So um, he's great, and it's because he has that dual experience of of player manager um, front office guy altogether. And Ross doesn't have that. Ross was a player, and then Ross was a coach, and that's relying on him to be you know rah rah. I know my strategy. I was a catcher. That's not the same thing, which is not to say it can't be good, but he lacks a big chunk of resume that Council had. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to say I do think the David Ross hire was an attempt to replicate yeah. the Brewers thing. Yeah. All right. Um, so here's the thing. Like like you said, they were both former players, right? They were both kind of fringy players. They're not the star players, which you're absolutely right. I mean, that adds an element of, you know, he can relate to the guys top to bottom. He's not just a stars manager. He, he knows what it takes, the work ethic you need to kind of stick around when you're not the most skilled guy, all great assets to have. But I think you make a really important point that the difference, and this is where the Cubs maybe overlooked it <laughs> was that Craig does have that, you know, that front office ex- experience. He had that analytic bent too, yeah. right? He wasn't just former player kind of guy. Uh, and I think also where the Ross hire has gone wrong is that he was maybe too recent of a player and he was still, you know, teammate to most of those guys. That's on a that good roster. point. Yeah. It's not good to be uh, friends whereas, with the, your, your underlings. Um, that doesn't exactly. work that well. Whereas like at, by the point council had taken over as manager, was it, was it just Braun that would, had played with him? I I need I would need to skim over the roster. Right yeah, now, but it wasn't a significant, you know. Whereas with the Cubs situation, a lot of that 2016 core was still there, and it's kind of odd, I think, to 
go from oh rossi the the old grandpa fat, yeah cool cool guy in the clubhouse to suddenly being my boss uh i i think that's also a complicating factor there and i'm not sure he has that personality to be able to to separate like that right like yeah. I, I feel like craig comes off as a guy where like he can absolutely relate but also he can be management when he needs to be management. Whereas I think maybe Ross has kind of struggled in that. Yeah. If, if that was their goal, they missed the point of council and that's, yeah. that's their problem. Which would, would, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Right. Like I feel like because of that, they, they tried to do the carbon copy, but missed all the finer points. And, you know, now we're, we're seeing articles pop up out of Chicago. Like the Cubs need to copy the Brewers way to get back to contention, which is, <laughs> Like no, you're you're the second most, third most valuable franchise in the sport. Yeah, copy Just the use Yankee your billions. way. Yeah. copy yeah. the Dodger way. Exactly. Yeah. I so whatever. But I I do feel like it was just a very very poor attempt to emulate. You know, and like Jeremy has said that the former player, inexperienced player thing, has had mixed results too. You know, like Rocco Baldelli was up like gangbusters that first year was that 2019 the twins really broke through with him i forget but Oof. now obviously they're horrible yeah. so kind of a mixed result there too um and and the issue with that too is like for a while they were hiring people with no experience and uh it was their first managerial role period yep. and maybe some other qualified candidates weren't getting fair looks so i mean that was a criticism too i feel like the the raw situation was almost preordained too, right? Like when he was still on the team, they were like, Oh yeah, he's going to be the manager soon. That did happen. <laughs> so, that is true. So I, I feel like that they just went about that process entirely wrong, did not take into account all of those other factors. And yep. I think that's also a significant portion of this downfall. Agreed. Right? Like, yeah. All right. Uh, another Patreon question. This one comes from Jamie wonders. Is this year the Brewers finally underperformed their Pythagorean record? <laughs> uh, when he sent this, they were currently minus one by Pythag. So that's interesting. You know, yeah, we, we've kind of gotten accustomed to them breaking the Pythag model, right? Because of the success in one-run games, the way Craig manages the bullpen, everything like that. Uh, but when you score almost 40 runs in four days, it does you number. catch up on your Pythagorean or work you in a hurry. It's going to be close. Um, if they had more of the easy schedule left, I'd say that they were a shoe in to underperform. Um, but I don't think they're going to quite get there. I think that there's enough tough games down the stretch that they'll play the, those close games and eke out enough to still be overperforming it or even with it. So I will I will take the still overperforms or exactly even with their Pythagorean on the season. But this is their best chance in a long time. And if they if they do get to beat the doors off of the Cubs and Pirates a couple more times that might be enough to get it done. So it's a, it's a good chance. This is, if it's going to happen, this is probably the season that happens. Right. And like we mentioned too, tons of games against the Cardinals who may or may not be trying at that point too. Yeah. So. That, that hurts though. Too. I mean, the, the Cardinals might be bad. That's entirely possible at this point, but um, they do have uh, quite a few games in St. Louis and that park is not a yeah. good overperform your Pythagorean or underperform your Pythagorean park. Um, it, it's, it depresses run scoring, and so it keeps things closer. Yeah, all right. Uh, we also have some Twitter questions to get to before we wrap things up this week. As a reminder, even if you're not a patron, send us a question on Twitter. That uh, account for the, the network is at 
MKE Tailgate. We'll send out a call for questions there as well. Uh, follow all of us on Twitter too. Paul's at Badger Noonan. I'm at James L. James with a Y. If you want to follow Ryan and see him complain about things <laughs> online, that's at RD Top as well. Uh, so our first question comes from Mark Pudscarby. He's asking, has uh, Urias done enough for you to feel good about him as a starting third baseman next year? Along with that, considering what Lauer and Urias have done this year, <laughs> did the Brewers actually win that trade for 2021? <laughs> so this trade's, you know, been a topic of consternation. I think we've even taken questions like, what's the worst David Stearns trade? And that yeah. one might have been it, at least at the time. Yeah. But you know, at least since the Willie Adamas trade, he's kind of become, you know, Willie's younger brother and has kind of turned things around. Do you feel like he's the third baseman next year? I do, actually. Um, mostly because I think in two years, he's likely to be the second baseman. And they have to keep him somewhere while Colton Wong is still around. So I think that that sure. is likely what happens. And uh, that's fine. Um, his bat has come around to the point where he is a, certainly an acceptable um, offensive third baseman and a good defensive one. So... Um, I think they keep him at third for a year and also, you know, move him around as needed during the course of the season. And then I suspect he goes back to second base um, the following season when Colton moves along, because I think Colton will probably move along. So um, and I'm comfortable with him because he's the best third baseman they've had in quite some time at this point. <laughs> you could do worse. And they often do. Um, I mean, uh-huh. Travis Shaw hasn't had a season this good in quite a while. Um, any other rando they've had over there hasn't had as good a season in a while so it uh i'm fine with that as a plan um that seems like a perfectly good way to go yeah if ryan were here i'm sure he'd be uh crowing again about how he's always believed in urias's bat yeah yeah grade hit tool when he was a prospect it's hard to argue with ryan on this point because ryan will argue into the into the void about a lot of prospects you know just need more time and (laughs) this one is one he's right about so yeah kudos for that We'll, I mean, we'll see if he can keep it up. Yeah. Uh, Urias, not Ryan. I know Ryan will. Uh, but we'll see if, if Urias can keep this up. Uh, but yeah, at, at least the Brewers know he's an option at third base, right, yep. heading into this offseason. So if they don't get something else, then they know he they're fine with him there. Uh, another question we got on Twitter that's kind of along the same lines. Oh, really, 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 really quick. I, I don't yeah, think sorry. you can say that the the giant or that the Brewers have won the trade over over losing Grisham, but it's getting yeah. closer to even Stevens on for sure at this point. And we got to see Lauer do it a little bit more. But it's worth noting, Trent Grisham's OPS plus is one twenty six this year, which is higher yeah. than last year when everybody was like he's so good. So it's not like he's, he's been, tapering off either. He is still playing very well. He's been very good, at, but I I do think Urias playing better, and then Eric Lauer also not pitching that poorly. Yeah, at least he's been pretty good for a couple starters, starts. So. Just got to see him put it, keep continue to put that together. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to say along the same lines of this uh, this specific trade, Brew Crew notes on Twitter is asking: In five years, will it be most commonly referred to as the Grisham trade, the Lauer trade, or the Urias trade? <laughs> I still think it'll be the Grisham trade just because of the playoff play. Um, Not necessarily because of the returns or anything like that, but the facilitating event was such a... uh, I mean, it's not even Grisham's fault. I mean, Hayter was losing it that inning. But still, like that's what everybody likes to remember, is that Grisham let it roll under his glove. It facilitated the trade. He turned it around, which kudos to him for getting in a better headspace and turning into a very good major league player. But I think it'll always be the Grisham trade because that was the event that started the Grisham trade. 
yeah, it's a very important note too, right? That's those two are just always going to be historically connected. So it's hard to avoid that, even if Urias becomes a mainstay, which we hope he will. All right. Uh, Another question. This one comes from Anthony Pollard. He's asking, we we were talking about the field of dreams game and and how it was a fun, fun game to at least see at least once. But uh, Anthony's question is if the Brewers played in the field of dreams game, who would you want them to play? Um, Tough one. I think the Twins, um, it's sort of mm. geographically between both. I think they kind of tr- travel the same as Brewer fans do elsewhere. Sure. Uh, and it's enough of a rivalry that I think it would still be good. Plus, I think we both hate Iowa a good amount. And maybe Minnesotans hate <laughs> Iowa. A l- Minnesotans probably hate Iowa more than we do, but uh, still, uh, it's kind of mutual. So that's fine. I feel like the Cubs would, uh, because of uh, because of Iowa, um, draw yeah. too well for that, and it wouldn't be that wow. fun. <laughs> and um, the Cardinals, like... I feel like you're kind of playing in a cornfield in that stadium a little bit already. Uh, and sure. I, I don't know. I, I'm just very grassy. <laughs> I'm not feeling so, yeah. yeah, I'm not feeling it with them. It's uh you know what else would be bad about the Cardinals? The whole mm-hmm. announcing of the game. Like the Cardinals get treated like some mystic bullshit already. And the whole tenor of the game would be like very pro Cardinal for that reason. It's historic it, franchise. Yeah, historic yeah. Like setting. that has won yeah. the most World Series in the end. Like it, it, the first break that went their way would be like, oh, are the ghosts helping them to like, I, oh I, I, I got no patience for that, that garbage. So not, yeah. and those are the obvious candidates. So I, tw- I like twins. It's just a good yeah. baseball game. Like, yeah, you want to keep it Midwest, right? Yeah. Because of the, the Iowa connection. And I'm like, eh, maybe the Royals, Royals would be fine. To recreate but... the 82 or just yeah. like the long AL rivalry. But I don't think that uh, draws I agree. as well. You, as, you go with the like, Twins there. That's fine. That's fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, ben Oler, always the optimist. Or uh, also a Vikings fan, if I believe. Uh, so this may explain the negativity. But he'll, he's saying, I'll be the downer. When do we feel, start feeling not so great about Christian Yelich's contract? Um, I feel like we answer this question every week. And um, the, the time <laughs> to start worrying about it was like three months ago. And the second best yeah. time to start worrying about it is right now. So, um, and I like uh, Kurt Bickley. I also appreciate your comment because it also reminds me of the Joe Maurer contract. I think that's a good comp. Yeah. Where Joe Mar was um, with like the best player in baseball for a couple of years, and then the power just completely went away. Um, and I mean, Yelich might end up being worse than that. This is I, I am I, I buy into my theory about him breaking his brain by breaking his knee more and more as as time goes on. And I mean, maybe there's even some physical issues along along those lines because that was a weird injury. And you know, we think a bone breaks is better than tendon tears for the most part. You usually come back from them just fine but uh knees are tricky and i don't know it's not good i i I think it's far past time to start worrying about it i think he can be a useful player but uh it's it's not looking so good and i think the floor with yelich is a lot lower than we thought it was at the beginning of the season and that's the scariest thing about it yeah i think when he was walking a lot i i thought of like the joey Votto contract too which similarly locked up a, a big chunk of that payroll but like Votto is at least still showing pop when he needs to, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the difference. Well, and just, um, Votto's his own thing too. Like his control of the zone is incredible. Like he basically yeah. never swings at anything outside of the zone. His chase, right. his chase rate's like always best in the league, and that'll get you far. Um, and you know Yelich is a strikeout machine who hits for power and has a weird profile where he hits the ball into the ground a lot and still hits for power. So uh, I don't know how you fix that, and it's. It's not great. It's weird. I hope he can get it done. I hope he can make some adjustments. 
Um, maybe like concentrate on a platoon side. I don't know what to do with him, but it's yeah, we owe him a lot of money and he might not be good anymore. So it's definitely time to worry. I think it'll be a busy winter for him trying to again, you know, work some things out yep. with uh, with Haynes and in that kind of thing in the off season. But also, I was at least happy to see uh, Craig Council bat him lead off this yeah. past week at which, our uh, suggestion. We've kind of yeah, we we kind of talked about so. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes at the very least. If it's, you know, like we've talked about an attempt to at the very least take advantage of the on base and the base running, but maybe just help them see some better pitches to hit. If you believe in that line of thinking as well too. Uh, but obviously, you know, if the birds are going to make a run, if he can figure it out in the last month here, that would be super, super helpful. So uh, fingers crossed there as well. Uh, so yeah, we appreciate all the Twitter questions that we got this week. Again, at MKE Tailgate. Uh, reminder though, too, you can become a patron. Sign up for two bucks a month. Get question priority here on the podcast. That's patreon.com slash MKE Tailgate. I don't believe we have any new patrons this week. We do not. Uh, but we did. Uh, I think we have a couple of uh, reviews. We so do have reviews. Also, yeah, don't forget. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you listen to us. Hit the subscribe button. Also, if you leave us a five-star review, and that is the key, five stars. Must be five stars. Paul will read it on the air here. So we've got a couple of new ones since the last time we did this. Who we got? Paul? We do. We have S. Paul 149 uh, or Spall 149. That, I don't know. Is that you? It's not me. Maybe it's somebody okay. trying to pretend they're me, but... Uh, lots of great brewer content. They do a great weekly rundown and preview of the next week. However, this is very long, by the way. Oh, no. Kudos to you for taking advantage of it. Seven inning doubleheaders are the worst. It is basically SP clo <laughs> starting pitcher closer with no middle relief where most of the action happens. Also, the runner on second rule in extras is great. Instead of waiting 15 innings for someone to hit a home run, it forces teams to play situationally. If you want to start it in the 11th, sure, but this set of rules significantly better than the old rules of seeing whose seventh or eighth man out of the pen is better in the 15th or 16th inning, feel free to discuss. Um... So I, I actually, um, I don't care for the seven inning double header, just play two, but run, run around second rule. I'm kind of on, I'm kind of on board with at this point for a lot of the same reasons. Like, yeah. I don't like bunting, but it's nice to have like kind of just a change of pace every once in a while. Sure. So, um, I'm okay with that. Um, anyway, uh, th by the way, this is, I think my intended use of five star comments <laughs> Yes. Is, is this. So kudos to you for doing it. Um, S Paul 149. Well done. And it's not yeah. me, by the way. It might be it's Steve, who we've established doesn't use burner accounts, but not really. <laughs> um, our other five-star account is from Sam Klunder, who uh, we all know and love. Uh, great podcast, 9 of 10 podcast, 10 of 10 with rice. I assume that that is a reference to something I don't know because I'm old. Um, but <laughs> Maybe. So anyway, again... Uh, if you on Apple Podcasts leave us a five star review, I will read whatever you put down there as long as it's not, you know, like racist or obscene. Um, and uh, in, uh, so we like the five star reviews. They help us move up the rankings on the charts here, get more listeners, get more, you know, clicks, all that good stuff. So please feel free to do that. Again, five star only. If you do anything less than that, we will summarily ignore you forever. So. <laughs> there you go. Uh so yeah, thank you guys for for the uh, ratings and the reviews as as always. You know, they're a lot of fun to read, and you know, sometimes constructive criticism is good too. So if you want <laughs> to leave constructive criticism, as long as it's five stars, I don't care if it's constructive or not. 
there Bring you it. go. <laughs> well, uh, we're just playing the system here. Yeah. You know, we're, we're sort of like a uh, brewer's front office. We'll just take advantage of what's offered to us. Yep. So uh, I think that'll wrap things up this week. Uh, a fun week, at least with uh, the brewers just demolishing the Cubs. As we said, always a good time. Series against the Pirates coming up, and then you know we're kind of getting into the last month or so, and we'll see just how well this playoff race shakes out, and in all the things that come with that as well. So uh, we'll wrap things up here. Thanks everybody for listening. Have a good one. Stay well. We'll see you next time here on Milwaukee's Tailgate.